This is episode 303 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are, Could We Handle Food Rationing Now? and Cyber Prep, The Epic Solution for Preppers Seeking Online Privacy. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums. Go to microbiz.biz for more information. Hey guys, it's been a very, very long weekend. A lot of good and some not so good. Uh, I want to share a little bit of the good with you here and then maybe share a little bit of the not so good at the very end of this podcast. Um, Some of the stuff that was very, very cool that I'd like to share is I did receive two reviews over the weekend, or at least they popped up for me. Uh, The first one was from VA Prepper, and it was a five-star review, and man, it just... You know, every time I see one of these, it just really makes me feel good, and I do really appreciate it. Um, VA Prepper said, I appreciate this podcast, a wide variety and excellent subjects. I am a beginning prepper. Well done. And so, uh, VA Prepper, I am so glad that you are a new prepper and you're listening to the podcast. It's uh, very important to me to get good information out there. And so, uh, I'm glad that you are a new prepper and you are uh, down the road to become more self-reliant. So, great job on that. And then... Uh, this other one said, this is from H2O Man 1974 says, if you only listen to one podcast, this is it. I have been seriously prepping for many years. I was a scout, a hunter since the age of 17. I'm in my early 40s now. I went the tactical prepping route for a bit, then into serious prepping and eventually into bushcraft. I scoured prepping podcasts trying to find one that was straightforward, didn't waste my time, and didn't spend the whole show laughing about Tashanka. Okay, I don't know what Tashanka is. I tried to look it up, but I, I don't know if it's just a made-up word or not. Uh, trying to sell me something or giving me their wackadoodle political ideals. Todd's podcast is perfect. It's two or three articles every show. He doesn't get particularly political or wildly religious. I'm an educator, too. I started a bushcraft and emergency preparedness club for interested students. His podcast is the only one I feel comfortable enough to suggest to the students. His show is perfect for the brand new prepper that doesn't know anything or the seasoned prepper that knows quite a bit. Todd moves along so quickly that if it's something I already know about, I can listen for anything new that might be helpful or it is entirely new or interesting to me. I can look up the original author and learn learn more. Thanks, Todd, for all the time and effort you put into this fantastic podcast. So H2O Man, thanks so much. Uh, Again, makes me feel really good uh, to to see these and that uh, that the podcast is valuable out there to others that are listening. And uh, just thank you so much. And guys, if you ever feel uh, like you are receiving value and you haven't given a review, appreciate it that, you know, if you would go over to iTunes and leave a a review there. Uh, Just it helps with the algorithms and helps other people decide if they want to come and listen to the podcast. Um, One of the other things or a couple of the other things that were cool uh, that happened this week weekend for me is I was able to do two podcasts to promote the uh, the, the ebook and the, and the forums, the new prepper website forums. 
Um, I was able to do a podcast with Brian Duff over at Mind for Survival and then also uh, Dale Goodwin of uh, Survivalist Prepper. And so I was able to record two uh, podcasts. We talked about different things on, on both of them, but able to promote the MicroBiz ebook. Very excited about what's going on over there. People are purchasing it and uh, being coming into the forums and, and joining it. Uh, I added a little chat feature on the sidebar so you can communicate directly with people where you didn't have to uh, leave them uh, a message in the forums itself. And then also uh, someone suggested uh, the ability to upload you know, PDFs and things that we have found valuable to us. And uh, so was able to figure out how to do that and work that into the forums. So have that going as well. So very excited about that. Very excited about uh, where it's headed. And so if you are on the edge in, you know, of deciding if you want to purchase the ebook or not, uh, you know, it's only $6.49. That is a one-time purchase. It's not a month. It is not a year. It is a one-time purchase. And so you get the ebook and you get to come in. Even if you don't want to do micro businesses and even if that's not your idea where you want to build multiple streams of income, which I really believe every prepper should be doing, but even if that's not it and you just want to hang out in a, a private preparedness forum, uh, that is available as well. So I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to uh, always improving that and trying to make it better. And it just makes me feel good that it doesn't belong to Facebook or Twitter or YouTube and, and no one can take it away. And so, uh, guys, I, I want to link to uh, the uh, to the, the landing page where you can go and get a little bit more information over at the Prepper website, podcast.com. Or you can just go to microbiz.biz. So uh, there you go. The other thing that uh, was really cool is, uh, you know, I record the podcast on the night before. So the Monday podcast, I recorded on Sunday evening. And uh, before I, you know, got on uh, the computer to record uh, the, this podcast, I was on with Brian and Ryan uh, over at the Preparedness Experience. And so we were able to talk a little bit more about uh, you know, the ways that we can make money and that's over at their Facebook group. I'm going to link to it. I don't know if you, if you're not a member over there of that Facebook group, you might want to go ahead and join it. And then you can see that video. I know that they're going to post it in other places as well. And so I will uh, link to those when it comes, I'll link to all of it, you know, the podcasts when they come out and then, uh, you know, the videos and things like that. But, you know, definitely you can go to the preparedness experience, Facebook page or group and uh, see it. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes if you're interested in that. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from livinglifeinruralioua.com, and the title is, Could We Handle Food Rationing Now? So let's go ahead and start reading this one. In World War I, somewhat, and World War II, definitely, food rationing was one of the few ways that governments in the United States and Britain could keep the soldiers fed as well as, as its citizens. Everyone was expected to do their share and stay within the guidelines of food rationing. In addition to the food rationing, citizens were heavily encouraged to do their part in their duty to their country by growing food and making every bit count. Citizens were encouraged to make do. They were encouraged to start their own victory garden and supplement their own rations. They were encouraged to forage and eat food they weren't accustomed to thinking as food. Food waste was a sin and they were encouraged to stretch their rations as far as possible. In Britain, food rationing started in 1939 and lasted well past the war. They were under food rationing until 1954 while Britain recovered from the war. 
Guys, I didn't realize it was that long, from 1939 to 1954. That's a, that's a long time there. Uh, food rationing started in 1942 and ended in the United States in August 1945, except for sugar, which lasted until 1947. Soviet Union was under food rationing from 1941 to 1947. Fruits and vegetables were not rationed, but could be restricted for lack of supply unless you grew your own. For the most part, governments found out that their citizens were healthier under the food rationing system than before and after World War II. Could we handle food rationing now, if and when it should happen again? That is hard to say. Many people would have a very difficult time under the food rationing system. Processed food is more, much more prevalent now than it was during the 1940s. People are not as creative with food as they could be. Cooking from scratch is becoming a lost art. People are also not nearly as patriotic as they were during the first two world wars. People are used to having food when they want it and how they want it. People in general are much more impatient now. Imagine being told you can only have so much food and you have to make a choice about what food you can have. Plus, people were encouraged to eat less meat during the war and choose cheaper cuts of meat to eat. Meat is a hefty part of a lot of diets now. People would have to make some severe changes to their diets that probably would not go over well. Obesity is also a problem in the United States and Britain now. People are used to eating a lot of food, making not so good food choices, consuming a lot of sugar and not moving enough to deal with the excess food. Food rationing would be a tough adjustment for those people who suffer from obesity. If you struggle with your weight, now would be a good time to start making changes before they are forced upon you. Processed food is much more accessible now than 70 plus years ago. We also have a lot of man-made ingredients that were not even available back then. Processed foods and these ingredients have brought about the advent of cheaper and easier to eat food. This definitely cheapens the cost of food, but depending on why we are being rationed, we may not have access to the ingredients. You might also see more processed food being rationed because the ability to make it might be restricted. Creative cooking and cooking from scratch is almost a lost art. While many people during those two wars were well acquainted with cooking from scratch, now many people rely on processed foods or pre-made meals from the grocery store. Eating out is also at an all-time high as parents find it easier to go through the drive-thru or stop at a sandwich shop to feed the family. Food rationing would be a shock to those that would have to learn how to meal plan, read recipes, and cook creatively for possibly the first time in their lives. We have many, many more people in our population now than we did then. We have more mouths to feed and more people in the inner cities who do not have access to cooking, growing, or foraging food. While poverty existed in the 1930s and 1940s, we, have still, we still have a widespread and bigger problem with poverty today. Many people struggle to eat every day and rely on soup kitchens, food pantries, shelters, and the kindness of people just to get fed. What would happen to those people and those places when food rationing happens? Would the government provide for those places and for the people who need them? Would churches and charities still be able to support them? There is no clear-cut answer on the problem. SNAP benefits would certainly be reduced to reflect rationing as money would not be as available for this program. We would need to divert money to our country's defenses and military. While individual states could, could control what SNAP benefits could be spent on, the benefit amount would certainly be reduced. 
With the advent of food rationing, I could also see the government controlling how they could be spent. Only certain foods would be covered and nothing that would seem like a luxury grocery item. People are also not nearly as patriotic now as they were during the wars. The contempt for our government now is at an all-time high. Take away or reduce someone's SNAP benefits and you could have a riot on your hands. Tell people they need to do their duty for whatever situation brings on food rationing and reduce their consumption of food, not have certain products available or be restricted on what they can buy. I cannot even imagine what would happen. We have lost our loyalty and ability to stand as Americans against the world and do what is necessary to come out on top. The reaction could be violent and intense. But mostly we have lost our ability to be self-reliant. I love seeing homesteading, prepping, and self-sufficiency on the rise because more people are interested in stockpiling food, growing and foraging for food, raising livestock, canning, and preserving their own food. Those are the things that will help you survive food rationing, doing what you can to supplement food rationing and stretching food as far as it can go will only serve you well. Managing food waste will be critical. Being self-reliant will be the only way to survive food rationing. So could we handle food rationing now? I think we can, but it will be a huge adjustment and will probably have some riots happen as some groups of people do not handle well being told what to do even if they cause even if the cause is great however we all have adjustments we need to make skills we need to learn and maintain and preparations to make we need to be ready just in case because the event that brings on food rationing here will not only affect us as a country but globally as well thanks for reading erica all right so as i was reading this and preparing for the podcast i was thinking through a couple of things the first thing is i don't know if we would be able to get through a food rationing uh, situation nowadays. Uh, you know, there there have been times where the EBT cards, right, or the you know the the SNAP benefits, or the EBT cards. You know, nowadays they don't have food stamps, right? It's a it's a little card. Uh, it looks like a credit card, and you use that. But there was an instance, and and I don't know how many years ago now. It's been quite a bit, but uh, there was a, a place where it did not. Uh, it didn't. People's uh, EBT cards were not charged or recharged over the weekend. There was some issue and it was going to be a three-day weekend. And I know that I've tagged this before on Prepper website. I'm going to have to go try to find it. If I can find it, I will link to it in the show notes. Or if, if not, I'll try to find it for uh, the next podcast. But people went crazy and they destroyed the EBT offices, right? They started breaking windows and things like that when they found out that they weren't able, they weren't going to be able to buy food over the weekend because they're EBT cards, because money was not deposited onto those cards. And so I, I just, I don't know. I don't think that there's going to be people. And so he, here's the thing. Let me go back to this. Will people be able to handle food rationing? Yes. People who are responsible, people who do the right thing, people who are listening to this podcast, you're more than likely, you're the type of person that will do the right thing. You will try your best. Um, it's the same thing like when we talk about when we're in a in a situation like our neighborhoods and it is the the poop has really hit the fan and we go around telling everyone don't use don't flush your toilets right don't use you got to come up with a different way of using the restroom because if not it's going to back up into all of our uh, all of our houses right eventually because if it's not gravity fed and I know that we have talked about this before and then also talking to everyone else and say guys we need to come up with a plan a neighborhood plan 
to be able to deal with waste. Because if everyone is going out there and, and just pooping in their yard or pooping in their neighbor's yard or whatever it might be, that's going to cause disease. People are going to get sick from it. And so you might be doing everything you know that is right. That doesn't mean all your other neighbors are doing the right thing. And so, you know, people are, you know, just doing whatever they want to do and it's causing disease for everyone. It causes everyone to have problems. And so I think that in a situation like this nowadays, you, you know, the good people are going to do what they're supposed to do. They're going to uh, manage, but there's going to be people out there who don't and they're going to cause problems for everybody else. You know, when Hurricane Ike happened, uh, the city here in Houston, and we were kind of shut down for a little bit. Um, or at least pockets of it were. I know that I spoke with one person who used to work at Walmart at this time. And when the first time they reopened the doors, I mean, people were just running in. People who just didn't have food and people who didn't have, who were not prepared, they were running in and, and going and getting food, just opening it up and eating it. And, you know, he was like, you know, he was just, he was the type of person that uh, did the right thing. And he was like, ma'am, you need to go take that to the front to go, you know, you need to go pay for that, you know, and uh, before you just start eating it or, you know, he would ask people, are you going to pay for that? And they would just cuss them out, you know, and uh, they're just, they just had no, no sense whatsoever. They didn't care about doing the right thing. So there are going to be people who are not going to be able to do this. The other side of this is having those skills to be able to cook from scratch and, and things like that. You know, we live very busy. That's one of the things that we were talking about with that I was talking about with Brian and with Dale on the podcast is that people are so busy right now that if you can find something, you know, you can build a whole stream of income, a multiple multiple streams of income on helping people save time. And so if you run errands for them or you do whatever for them, whatever you service you offer to save them time, people will do that. We have all this, you know, the convenience of, of you know, getting food very easily. People are so busy that they don't have time to, to cook anymore. And so they run through the fast food, you know, window or they'll stop and, and maybe they do buy, you know, something good, something, something that's, that it's not, you know, fast food, whatever junk, but it's still something that they had to go and purchase and so that their family can eat. And so, you know, like uh, Erica was saying here, cooking from scratch is a lost art. And maybe that is something that you need to start investing in. You know what? Maybe that is a YouTube channel that you might want to start. I know that there's YouTube channels out there. I haven't hit one recently, but maybe you start a, a, a YouTube channel for preppers and maybe just not for preppers, maybe for, for anybody on learning how to cook from scratch and starting with the very basics. Guys, I know it's kind of stupid, right? But Guys, this is how you make rice, right? It's just, just as easy as that. You know, this is how you cook beans, as easy as that. And then this is how you make bread. And I know there's tons of videos out there, but think about it. I mean, if you can start doing some of that kind of stuff, getting it out there, maybe you start uh, even a membership site where you're able to, to people come in and you, you will help them. N- not all the crazy let me teach you how to, you know, be a gourmet chef, you know, doing all of this, uh, you know, with, with the, you know, three little ingredients. Let me teach you how to be a gourmet chef. How about just let me teach you how to feed your family on a, on a frugal budget. And I know that there's people out there that do that. I'm just kind of right now I'm in the process of in the mode of, of thinking, 
how to help other people start businesses because I know people would be interested in this, especially if we get to the situation in the time in this country when we start feeling the financial crunch more than we do right now, when we really start feeling it and people start realizing, you know what, I can go and buy a big bag of rice and I can go buy a big bag of beans and I can go buy, I don't know, some spam or something or to add you know, to it or whatever, right? And, and I can go do that very, very cheaply compared to going out and just buying one meal. I can feed my family for a week compared to feeding my family just one meal. And that wouldn't be something that you would want to do. You do it because of necessity, because you have to have something to eat. And so cooking from scratch, you know, that might be something that you want to start learning. Start learning, start writing about, start teaching other people how to do who knows maybe in your churches or you know your you know you have the ability to teach other people how to do this i mean you know it'd be amazing that other people would would i'm sure people would want to learn how to start doing this kind of stuff even just cooking bread uh when you smell bread you know just just right out of the oven oh my gosh it is the best thing ever and so just something basic like that so do I think that that people will be able to go and do food rationing? I, I don't think so. I don't think we are where we are in this country. I think there's going to be pockets where it is going to be bad. Uh, I can tell you right now, Houston, I don't think it'd be good. Uh, I, I think there would be some serious problems that would be happening. In fact, I think it's already happening. If you live in a major city or you live in an area, uh, you know, just think about the crime statistics. I think people are already feeling it with the increase in uh, you know, this is one thing I talked about with, with Brian. You just you used to go to the grocery store and be able to come out. You spend a hundred bucks and you had a lot of groceries. Nowadays, you you spend a hundred bucks and you come out with three or four little plastic bags. You know, and it, it's not a whole lot of food. And so, people that are on the SNAP benefits or the EBT or all that kind of stuff, you know, as prices go up, their EBT benefits aren't buying them as much as they used to. And so people are having to do other things out there. And so there is been, there has been, I was talking about that with my father-in-law who lives about five minutes away from me. He said, you know, it used to be that you never heard about crime out where we are. And now you hear about it like, like, you know, you used to hear about it in the Houston, you know, downtown Houston area or suburbs or some, some areas of Houston, right? And so I, I think a lot of you, if you uh, went to go check it and you were honest with yourself, you would say that, hey... We're seeing an uptick in in crime as well, and so would people be able to handle food rationing? I don't think so. You're going to do the right thing. I don't think other people are going to be doing the right thing. But that's why we do what we do. That's why we prepare. That's why we do food storage, water storage. That's why we uh, have emergency funds. That is why we you know we look at learning how to cook in ways and making our food and, and money and everything else go further. So good article, a lot of things to think about here from Erica over at Living Life in Rural Iowa. And uh, I would, I mean, if you are somebody who is out there like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna throw up a couple of videos on just cooking basic things. I, I just wonder how that would go, right? Uh, there's a lot to it. Uh, there's more to it than just throwing up a video. But, I, you know, I just wonder how that would go. And uh, now I'm, I'm curious. I want to go start searching YouTube for people who just do basic cooking. I think uh, putting some of that stuff together would be great. All right, so guys, that's over at livinglifeinruralioua.com. Go check that article out. Our next article is very 
uh, relevant for the times that we're living in right now. It uh, comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And it's called Cyber Prep, the Epic Solution for Preppers Seeking Online Privacy. And this is one of the things uh, that is, that's come up. You know, I've talked about it here, and I think it's very important. And this might be a solution to kind of help. It is, I don't believe there is one complete solution out there. If you're online, you're online. And, you know, there's just no ways around that. The only way to be completely to, you know, in a situation where you are not uh, putting information out there for uh, Google and Facebook and, and whatever to, to be able to track is to not even get online. And so I don't think, you know, it's so intertwined now with our lives. But I do think that there are things that you can do to help um, mitigate some of these things. And so this is going to be a solution to it. So let's go ahead and read this one from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. Let's start with the bottom line. If you are online, you can and will be tracked and traced by your and other governments, period. There's just no way to get around the fact that governments can and will have access to everything you do while online. So why even bother with trying to be as private as possible while online? Well, because there's a lot more people than just the government trying to record and use your information. Google started out with the motto, don't be evil, but I think we all know how that's gone. Google is the big dog in the fight, and they basically own the internet at the moment. They are, however, most definitely not the only dog in there, and I want to talk about one of Google's tiny and relatively unknown to most competitors as an example of what can be done to at least limit your privacy exposure while online. There's a project called Epic, and among the things they do are a browser and a search engine, both centered around privacy and keeping you anonymous while working online. First, let's look at the browser. Epic is a privacy-centered browser developed off of the Chromium project. Chromium, it's a, it's a cousin to Google's Chrome under the hood and a distant relative to Apple's Safari. The company is based in the U.S. and India, and much of the customer base for Epic is Indian. With Epic, session data, such as cookies, history, and cache, are deleted automatically on exit. The browser includes a proxy service that is automatically used when using a search engine, such as Epic's own Epic Search. Epic's info page states they use 11 different ways from ID numbers to server-based services which can be used to know what you browse. The proxy service can be engaged at any time to mask the user's IP address. Click the red open socket icon to turn on Epic's built-in encrypted proxy. This hides your IP address which a US, with a US-based IP and encrypts all your data when you want to be very private. One feature that I really like is that Epic has an integrated video downloader Want a video you are watching downloaded so you can view it offline? Click a button and boom, it's yours. Now guys, I will tell you, I downloaded the Epic browser and it is, it's really nice and it is fast and I did try it and to me, it would be worth it just to have the video downloader there because I think that there are some videos that are on YouTube that you might want to keep for the long term. But when I downloaded it and I tried, you know, keep uh, downloading some at a at a higher rate, it didn't um, it didn't play on Windows Media Player, and so I did open it up with VLC Video LAN uh, Network Player, and it did open the video. I could see the video, but I couldn't see the audio. So, so there's something in the encoding when it's downloading it that it's not grabbing, or I don't know if I'm doing something right. 
But uh, if if that is something that uh, that works, this browser would be worth it just for that. Not you know not to mention all the other security issues there uh, that that it offers. All right, continuing on, the usefulness of the search protection cannot be overstated for preppers. How many times using Google have you searched for some? prepper item, then later on open your social media page to find it filled with nothing but ads for the items you had earlier searched for. That's corporate big brother watching you. It also doesn't happen with Epic. Epic Search is also one of my favorite tools. For those interested, here's how Epic Search states that they work. Here are some technical details on Epic Search privacy. Epic Search always routes your search via HTTPS, or PFS, which is much more secure than ordinary HTTPS, so that your searches are protected from your ISP and general surveillance. Your searches are always routed through a built-in proxy so that, you act, so that your actual IP address never passes to any search server, and thus we can't know what you're searching for. Since your query is encrypted, the proxy also doesn't know what you're searching for. Simply, your searches via Epic Search in the Epic Privacy Browser are virtually untractable. So, since we all know that in life, tans to fall, (laughs) there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, how does Epic make money? At the moment, they don't, and that throws into doubt if they will be around forever. There is a huge amount of money to be made in data mining what Google, Yahoo, etc. do, but if you don't track what people are doing, it's impossible to target ads to them, which limits revenues. Here's what the Epic team has to say about this. We used to show search ads privately, but Google insisted on tracking you, so we no longer have any search ads. Previously, we sent a masked IP address so that Google could know your broad location, but not enough information to know who you were or to track you. Without giving us any specific reason, Google suspended the privacy-preserving search ads for us, and we believe also such partners. We are currently working on alternative ways to continue to sustain both Epic Search and our Epic Privacy Browser. We have spoken with many search engines, and to our knowledge, Epic Search is the only truly private search engine operating today. You can support us here at epicbrowser.com. Donate. HTML. I have sent them a few dollars for their efforts. I use them and I suggest any privacy concern prepper consider doing so as well. All right, guys, like I said, the browser, it's, it's a fast browser. And uh, so it is one of those things that you might want to, if you're going to be searching something that is sensitive, get on with this one and, and you do that. And, and you search and then you get off of it and you go back to your regular browser. Um, they, they suggested that you don't use, uh, you know, when you, if you get on with Facebook and Google, there are some things that even if you're using their browser because of their terms of service, that they can still track what you're doing. Uh, and also, if you try to get on Facebook and Google uh, through their browser and you're using, you know, all the security, um, Facebook is, is trying to always locate where you're at. And so if they're not, uh, if they can't uh, identify where you're at, they might be uh, giving you an authentication issue. And so you might not be able to get on and and completely use some of the social media or some of the other websites that you normally do. You know, somebody in the comment section say, why not just use a VPN, a virtual private network? And the thing is, is that there's some people who just don't know how to do that and how to set something like that up. So 
uh, that would be a reason why someone would want to use the this uh, this browser. And so I think it's just an added layer of security. So it's, if you're out there and you're searching for something and you want to be a little bit more careful or you don't want it tracked, that might be what you do, you know, and you, and you use it that way. I did notice that when I went to Prepper website, it pretty much rendered correctly. Um, there were some text links uh, on the right sidebar that didn't show up. But for the most part, everything else rendered correctly and uh, and is available there. And so it shows you like different things that are tracking you like or that you like if you click on. So some affiliate links, like if you click on Amazon, well, yeah, because it's my Amazon Associates uh, link, it's going to track you because, uh, you know, it's going to want to give uh, the credit to me or some of the other links that I have that are affiliates. It's going to track you that way. So, uh, you know, that shows up whenever you are on a website. But anyway, something uh, definitely to consider. And if you have a Windows machine or I believe it's also for uh, for Apple, uh, you know, Apple products, you can download that. And, uh, you know, I would recommend it to, to go at least check it out and see what you think. When you go to the website, um, it has a lot of information and you can just kind of go read it all before you decide on downloading it. So guys, that's over at beansbulletsbandagesandyou.com. Uh, just definitely recommend that you go check that out. Well, guys, that's it for the uh, for the podcast for episode 303. Hey, I just wanted to just uh, share some of the things that were not very good this weekend. Um, I have a friend, a really great friend, a really close friend uh, that passed away last Saturday. And... Uh, so not yesterday, or you know, I'm recording this on Sunday. Not yesterday, but the the Saturday before, and it was tough, man. He he was a a, a great friend. Uh, he's a pastor. Um, he's got a family. Uh, he was a chaplain for the Rosenberg Police Department here in uh, you know in the Houston area. Rosenberg is a suburb of of Houston, and uh, you know he had a, a medium, the small to medium sized church. Uh, definitely, we would always get together and we would always go out to eat. And our, you know, our wives would go, and, and we we just were friends, and we really, uh, it was really great. I mean, he was the one who the church that I'm at right now that I'm pastoring. He's the one who was uh, a district superintendent, and he's the one who called me and said, "Hey, you know, there's a church that needs a pastor. You know, are you interested uh, in it?" And uh, you know, it's just uh, there, there's just a, a lot of closeness there, and. Didn't realize he was as old as he was. Well, he wasn't really old. Uh, he was a little bit older than me. And I guess we never really realized that because we got along so well. We we believed a lot of the same things. We, we uh, you know, we, we thought our, our, the way that we thought were the, a lot in, you know, in the same ways and, and uh, about all kinds of stuff. So you know, we were even very sarcastic, you know, in, in the same way uh, and just had a lot of fun. And so it was, uh, it's crazy, man. It was just, it's been very long. It's going to be uh, a definitely a void. I know that it's going to be in my life and I can't even imagine what it is, what it would be like in his wife and his kids' lives. And, uh, you know, there you go. And so they, they did ask me to preach at his, uh, at his uh, funeral service. And uh, the, the thing was, is that when they realized how many people this man touched, there's no way that it would have fit in his in his church. So they were looking for a bigger church. And we finally, they finally found a, a, a human, I mean, it was packed out this church and it was hundreds and hundreds of people. And you realize how, how many people he, uh, he touched and uh, just very, very moving. Uh, the Rosenberg police department, although 
he was not a commissioned officer. They did a, a last call, an end of the end of the watch, and oh my gosh, that was the most heart wrenching moment that I, I think I have ever been in in th- that I can remember. Uh, you know, the the guy who was doing it, uh, you know, asked all the police officers to stand, and he, uh, you know, he called it in. And there was this loud beep. And and just the, the the dispatch person on the other side who was who was so calm and cool and collected doing it, it was just like wow. And there was not a dry eye in the in the whole church. I mean, it was just really, like I said, heart wrenching. It was tough. And and uh, you know, I later on the the lady who's the dispatch uh, wrote uh, you know because I'm following some of the things that people are saying on on Facebook about him and. Uh, you know, she's like, I barely was able to keep that together. And I could just only imagine uh, what that was like. And then I had to get I had to get up right after that to uh, to go ahead and, and share what I was going to share. And I was like, I, I was sitting next to another friend of mine who's a pastor. And I'm like, I can't even believe that I'm going I'm going up right after that. I mean, he looked at me, he goes, brother, I, I don't even know how you're keeping it together right now. You know, and it was just it was very, very tough. And uh uh, you know, so I'm going to miss my friend Bruce. I know where he's at. And that makes all the difference in the world because when it's all said and done, this world is not all there is. There is a whole nother life in eternity that's waiting out there for every single one of us. And the way that we live our lives here on this earth will determine where we are and what happens after we breathe our last, after that last heartbeat. So with that, Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.